0: So last week, or Sunday, when I wasn't here, I was at another church in the park for the church that I, I uh, help lead uh, their team on, uh, on the third Sunday of every month. So they, it's a small church that's over in North College Hill. I, don't, I have to have GPS going in and out. <clears throat> so what's great about that is, is my heart has always been to build bridges between churches so which is something i've never lost sight of so i don't know i don't even really know how i got hooked up with those guys it just kind of happened what's crazy about this is is they asked me to preach sunday and it's rare that happens so i was like wow man it's i told him no at first because i don't take giving this lightly because if I misread this and give you a misinterpretation, that's on my head. Right. Yeah. This is life. Amen. And I'm not going to mess with that. Amen. So I, I took a couple days. I said, I'll let you know in a couple days. you know. And then the Lord gave me confirmation to speak. So I'm going to share a little bit of what I shared Sunday. Good. Everybody knows John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the idea here is fellowship. So God desires mercy. So that's, that's, that's my sermon. If there was a sermon name, it'd be that. God desires mercy. Amen. He desires mercy. But yet people are expecting his judgment. Amen. And it's coming. The wrath of God is coming. But they're prepared. Like, okay, if they say something out of character, they're stepping aside. Somebody's stepping aside waiting for a lightning bolt. But he desires mercy. He's already paid for it. He's already paid for the mercy. He's already paid for us to have fellowship with him. But before we can have, like, fellowship with one another... And this is, this is where kind of my testimony comes in a little bit too. Because I wanted nothing to do with church. I wanted nothing to do with people of God or anything like that. I only have fellowship with you because of Him. And I only stay in fellowship with you because of Him. Amen. It's not by my might. Not by anything I've done. I can't love you with my love. I can't, I can't love you the way that he demands us to, he commands us to. I can't love you in my strength. I can only love you in the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's true, man. And even that gets challenged. But Jesus laid it out pretty clear, didn't he? You know, forgive your brother 77 times, 7 times a day. If they mess up more than that, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> but I, I love what me and Jeremy have talked a lot over the years about it And if we're to forgive each other that much how much more does he forgive us probably tons because there's more of us so and Micah I know nobody preaches for Micah do they but I love Micah there's something in there that's that's really, really good. In Micah chapter seven, verse eighteen. What page is that on? I don't have a page. I'll have to ask Barry. <laughs> he's the he's okay. the page keeper. What's that? What book is Micah? it? In? Micah, chapter seven. Oh, so it's the Old Testament. Yes. Yes. You let me waste all that time and then tell me that. Well, my apologies. I'm just kidding. 77 times I'm just seven. seven. That's, three. That's three. I'll rack them up. I still can't find will wait for you, Doors. Got it. We got it. Got it. Wait, wait, wait. It Says, who is like you? Harding iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage, who does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and subdue our iniquities. Now, this Old Testament, he delights in mercy. That's Old Testament. How does he delight in mercy if we had to follow the law? And then we go back to John three sixteen. for he so loved the world, he begotten his only son. He gave his only begotten son because he already knew back then what he was going to do. Now, when I was a kid growing up, I didn't grow up in no godly home far from it. I didn't grow up in in church or anywhere around it. My dad was a drunken cripple who couldn't chase after me, and my mom was was addicted to crack at a very young age. So I had no parents. All I had was me in the streets of Los Angeles. So I, I raised myself but it's funny because when I was left to my own devices, I went out of my way to do evil. Out of my way. I gotten into Satanism. I gotten into witchcraft. And the, Satan's biggest mistake has proven to me he was real. Because then it just took simple mathematics. Well, if he's real, that means God's real. Amen. And if God's real, I think I know what happens at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it wasn't that easy, I, I didn't give up right away. In our neighborhood, we used to go on drug runs and stuff and one day I stopped at a, at a friend's house to see if he wanted any meth, because we were all into meth. And only like twice a year did he have all, his, he had like seven or eight kids and only once or twice a year did he have all eight of them together. And he was one of the craziest one of us, you know. But that night, when I stopped by there, he had all his kids there. He was having a Bible study for the kids. So he had somebody from a church come in and give Bible study. Before I go in any more into that, the domestic violence was so strong in our house that every day all our furniture got destroyed. And every day we'd had to get new furniture. And every day, the San Bernardino County sheriffs were at our house. (laughs) So the domestic violence was out of control. My mom and my stepdad constantly fought and would literally destroy everything in the house, tearing each other up. As a matter of fact, I've been encouraged to write a book called Glass in My Pancakes, because I was, you know, all we ate was pancakes and cornflakes. And a lot of times, I was picking glass out of my food. So, so it could, if glass or not, cause if it's a I'm small still here. Particle. Yeah, I know, but it could have been small enough. That you have to so, it's, uh, I'm you. so all I knew was chaos. All I knew was chaos and out of, what was out of control. I never knew peace. I only knew drama at high levels. And my whole life. To make matters worse, I was the other woman's kid. My dad was married and had a family. So I was the other woman's kid. It took me many years to figure that out. So that leads me to Psalms 51. I got, I got a little bit more time. This is nice. I only had 15 minutes the other day. It was great. All right. For cha- uh, chapter 1, ver- or verses, well, chapter 51, verse 5, rather. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you make me to know wisdom. So that's that truth in the inward parts. In sin my mother conceived me. I was born into sin on top of sin. You know, born in in iniquity from my parents they weren't married. My mom was with a married man. So there was that whole dynamic spiritual dynamic in that. My um uh, what's really messed up is dad dad had a had a hint of God in him, but he claimed he didn't believe in him. But I caught him worshiping a couple of times. So I knew he had some some history. He had some sort of church history, even though he was whacked. I, you know, you wouldn't see a saved man in him. But on the day of his deathbed, he gave his life to the Lord. Praise God. Now, what's really sad about that is, is me and my dad didn't get along. I, um, he was a good man, did what he could. He was the only provider for the family. And I beat him, robbed him, stole from him, lied to him. And it was only until after he died, I realized that what I lost and then that was something I couldn't get back. And he died when I was 15. So, and he was the only stable parent I had in my life. I still struggle with that one. Because I can never get back. I can never get that time back. So it was crazy. It was crazy growing up there. But I tell you what. So here I am. <laughs> and I'll say one more part before I move on. Like my mom because she was into crack cocaine, I got her to switch to crystal meth to get us to quit robbing us. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz she would rob us. She'd break into our place and steal our money and, or she'd claim she needed a place to stay for the night and wake up she'd be gone with <laughs> with all Whatever her stuff out in the street. Yeah. Huh? So mom had a really hard past too. Even worse than my own. That's why I was so proud of her when she moved here and got her life together. So, God. But, uh, so here I am at this place in the middle of a drug run. This guy's holding a Bible study. And he got all these little kids, you know, you know like eight kids. And this guy, he was a great guy. He, uh, he was just doing like one of those little generic, you know, Bible studies for kids, you know, the coloring books and stuff. And when I walked into this place, I felt a peace I ain't never known. His presence. A peace that stopped me dead in my tracks. And I was like, whoa, what is this? What is it? I mean, I couldn't speak. You know, I was just Stopped. And my brother at the time, he was like, dude, man, come on, let's go. And I was like, here, just gave him all the money. I was like, you go ahead. I'm staying here. That was my first encounter with Christ. And I couldn't tell you for the life of me, dude, what that Bible study was about or anything about it. I just remember basking in peace. (laughs) That guy kept coming around our neighborhood, too. His name was J.R. And I used to always have my big pentagram necklace, you know, and stuff. And he'd come around. He never beat us down about none of it. He just came into just him being there was enough to disrupt stuff. And he would just come by and say, Hey man, how you doing? And I'd be like, I'm great. (laughs) You know, you know, just like whatever. But I knew that no matter what I was what I tried to portray. I knew that this man's presence was, was um, special. You know, that whenever he was around, I was at ease. So that's crazy because we started going to his church. And I started checking it out. And I really didn't think too much of it until I got baptized. And, you know, and I gave my life to the Lord. I was 16, but I had no idea what I was getting involved in. None. None. I had none. I had no idea what I was getting involved in. And it's funny because music, you know, I may lead worship and I may worship in front of you guys. But for the longest time, my music belonged to me and me alone. That was my personal therapy for the stuff that I was going through. So I never wanted to play in front of people. That was mine. So when I came to the knowledge of grace and I finally gave my life to the Lord, he took that and made it his. So in a way, it kind of makes me a bad worship leader because I'm not doing nothing for you. <laughs> and it's nothing personal. It's for him. I gave it to him. You know, I really don't, I don't need to play in front of people. I don't want to play in front of people. That's something that he's done. And because that's something he's done, I enjoy it. <laughs> you know, so. But he's so worthy. He's so worthy that I had, it took everything I had to give it to him. Anyway, I'm kind of getting off track by design. So, How does that apply to this? One night, now I'm going into my testimony a little bit. It kind of all ties together. So one night, I was living with the people that I sold myself to for crystal meth. They were pedophiles. And they had been around in my life for a while. And, uh, And it was a life of lies. No one knew this was going on except for us kids that were going through it. So there was a, a ring of us kids, there's about 10 of us all together that were, that were secretly being used by these drug dealers. And I've known them since I was 10. So when my son was born, I was about 17. And uh, my mom and my stepdad had moved here to Ohio. And what's, uh, what's amazing about that is they tried to get me to come with them, but I didn't want no part of it. I never had a relationship with my mom. You know, I wasn't real close to her. I really didn't want to be around her that much. But that last time I had saw her, I mean, she was so messed up, I was like, I can't go with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, nah, I'm good. And then uh, about two years went by. But while they left, that they, those people became my legal guardians. And during that time was one of the darkest times of my life because not only was I being abused by these people sexually, but I was living in a world that didn't exist. And all I could see was myself going further and further into darkness. But crazy part is, is that, you know, I'd already gotten saved and baptized. So there's this thing. So one day I decided to read Revelations. Now, normally when I read the Bible, nothing made sense. It all jumped and scrambled. You know, it was just mumbo jumbo. I couldn't figure any of it out. But that day I cracked that Bible up and it went to Revelation. Something happened. It was, it was wide awake. And I could see clearly what the word was saying. I understood, and I could see not only in my spirit, but I could see with my own eyes what this book was talking about It came to life. (laughs) And I was freaked. Then I had a vision one night that I had died. And as I laid there dead, I heard the trumpet call. I heard the trumpets. And I seen people being raised up. I seen the Lord in the sky and people being raised up to him. And I said, Wow, why ain't I being raised up? And the Lord spoke to me for the first time and said, because you're dead in your sins. He didn't have to beat me down about, you know, or break it down to me what sins. I knew exactly what sins he was talking about. He didn't have to go into detail. I knew. <clears throat> so when I, <laughs> so I laid there for a while freaking out. And uh, when I finally snapped out of it, I got on my knees And I cried out to God. And I said, Lord, get me out of this place. Deliver me from here. You know, and that was the first time I had wholeheartedly said, Lord, save me. Forgive me. Get me out. So that next day, I left. And I went homeless for a couple years. Because it was better to be homeless than that. So the first thing he took was that sexual immorality. That there's people that are so desperately trying to justify. Mm -hmm. So... So they, but they don't win that argument with me. (laughs) You know, not that I'm trying to argue with them, but all I had to do is just get honest with them. You and I both know this is wrong. They can't, they can't deny it. So the crazy part about it is, is for two years I was homeless on the streets. I remember spending my 18th birthday homeless, thinking good night, man, this is, this is it. This is what I'm gonna be. And uh, my son's mother, her dad was a longtime heroin addict who lived on the streets as well. And then I just, it kind of hit me like, this is my future if I don't change, because I was still addicted to the meth, still addicted to the drugs. And it was so funny because my mom, everywhere I went, you know people she didn't know, she didn't have addresses, she didn't have none of that, but somehow she found a way to get a letter to these people's houses, <laughs> and I'd show up randomly to somebody's house and they'd be like, "Dude, you got a letter here from your mom <laughs> and I'd be like, "What well I get out of here. That's crazy. She don't even know you. How'd she get your you know never made sense but she was always going on about how so much better it was here in Ohio and uh eventually, I just I got to a fork in the road where I couldn't do it anymore. I had to do something. I had to get out of that place. So when I moved here, it was in '96, and uh, so I got off the meth in '96, and I had already been on it for eight years. When I moved here, I was 110 pounds, uh, very sick. I think I gained 30 pounds in like three weeks. As broad as you are tall. It was terrible. So, praise the Lord is all I can say. (laughs) Yeah. But in any case, in that moment that I called upon the Lord, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. The light was shining in me, exposing all that was in me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. This is where a lot of people fail to understand what his mercy is. Now I'm going back to his mercy. He desires mercy. His desire for us is to be merciful. He's already made the way. All we got to do is accept it and receive it and believe it. Those who believe on him. I believe that King Jesus is the Messiah. But he, he desires us to repent. But in order to repent, you got to have truth in the inward parts. So what he's saying there is got to be honest with yourself before God. You can't go before him with sin and like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this. It don't work. He wants it all. I tried that part, by the way, for many years. Hey, Lord, I'll give up this, this, and that. Just let me have this. Hey, I'll give up all that. Just let me have weed. I'll be fine. Just let me keep my weed. Because I've been smoking weed since I was six years old, so I didn't know life without it. So I was like, just let me have that. I'll be fine. So for years, he chased me down. You know, he did not let up. He stayed on, on me the entire time. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it that I couldn't shake him. Funny about David is he tried. He knew that too. Where can I go where you're not there? Where would you be now if he it to you? I know where I'd be. God is good. So the mercy, His mercy. Without that mercy. Without understanding what his mercy is or that he desires, it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. But how do you understand that goodness? Without knowing his mercy. Knowing that he desires mercy. That he wants to give you mercy. All you gotta do is come to him. I like what a friend of mine said the other day. You know, he, he's like, I believe that a, a murderer can get saved. Amen. Yeah. He can ask for forgiveness and walk out in the street, get killed or hit by a bus and be with the Lord. Amen. But then there's other ones of us that we got to stay here and go through the process. Amen. I went through a process that I'm still going through. You know the process for me is—is is I've always known who and what I am, and I know what He's done for me, and that's why I worship Him. That's why I sing His praises. That's why—and that ain't easy. It ain't easy when 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 there's the, there's the tearing between making sure everybody's included <laughs> versus I don't care where you guys are, I'm going to the throne. <laughs> so, but I know if I'm going to be a good worship leader, I got to include everybody. <coughs> so I wor- I'm working on that. I'm working on that. <laughs> and I got some good people on my side that help me. Hit, Jeremy. <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. You know, the Lord, has, the Lord has placed some really good father figures in my life. Some really good brother figures. Uh, I don't have family. I wasn't raised with family. So what does that create? It creates an orphan spirit. That orphan spirit where I was grabbing people and making them my family. These are my family. So you can imagine, to my surprise, when I open up the word and see Jesus say, Those around, those who do the will of God are my mother, my brothers, and sisters. The moment I seen that, the moment I knew where I belonged, which is fellowship. You know, I know the importance of being in a place where I'm held accountable, I'm corrected. And loved. Yes. And it don't always feel good, but it is right. Yes. Now the major thing about that is, is uh, this is what I was explaining the other day about, when you try to hide sin, when you start to remove the truth from the inward parts and trying to keep parts of the world that you don't belong to. So when, when you're in sin... You're doing stuff you know it ain't right. You don't want to be around your brothers and sisters. You avoid them like a the plague, Amen. because their light's shining even brighter that you're trying to put a basket over. And you want your life. yeah. You're trying to hide your light, but you can't hide your light. And I know this because I've been there. I couldn't tell you how many times throughout my years, to where I've broken down and fell apart. I'd like to tell you that I've never drank since I got saved. I'd like to tell you that I've never smoked weed since I got saved. But I I can't. Because I've had moments in my life where I completely fell apart. But this is where I I depend on His mercy. And I know who and what I am. I always get envious with, with preachers and Pastors and yeah. stuff like that who, have once they got saved, they never touched a drop of alcohol again or never done anything like that or never touched any of that stuff in their lifetime. <laughs> you know what I mean? So these are the words I got to remind myself of because I get in a dark hole sometimes. I get in places where I have to remember who he is and what he desires, Because I, there's been times where I've gotten to places where I felt like I couldn't be forgiven. You know, you get to that place, and that's what sin brings. It brings death and separation. But can I say that I'm without sin? No, no, none of us can. So something that caught my eye. I was sharing this with Jeremy a couple weeks ago. In Revelation. The last book, the the last but yet blessed, most blessed book, it's just blessed. That book is blessed. Amen. And it was also the first Burke. Burke. I can't even talk now. Burke. Revelation one. Oh, sorry. Three. Sorry. Three. Three fourteen. He said, the angel of the church of the... How do you say that? (laughs) Thank you. Right? These things say, amen, faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, that I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I am wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And do not know that you have become wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, Jesus. (laughs) That you may be rich, white garments, and that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, and that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, here's the kicker. Therefore, be zealous and repent. That word, zealous, is another word for eager. Yeah, eager. Be eager to repent. So, if you if you have truth in the inward parts, and you mess up. Because we all mess up. We all have that moment where we fail. That's why in Lamentations he says his mercies are new every morning. Because we mess up. There's stuff that happens that we just can't take back and can't control. But he says, be eager with the truth in us. The truth. It's in the inward part that we understand our sin. We know the law. We know what's written on our hearts. If the Holy Spirit is in us or around us, we know what sin is. Because His job is to convict the world of sin, and He's very good at it. He doesn't need our help. Sometimes we like to help. That's where we get religious. Because we like to beat people down over their sin because we think we're better. I went through a stage of that in my walk with the Lord where I went through righteousness, self-righteousness. And then I discovered you got to catch a fish before you can clean it. That was one of the most profound things ever. broke the spirit of religion right off me. Because if, if the enemy can't defeat you, he'll make you religious. He'll make you a finger pointer. So what's really great about that is he says, Behold, I stand and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open up the door, I will come in him, to him and dine with him and he with me. He's already paid the way. He's slaughtered the lamb. The table is set. The feast is ready. The invitations have been sent. You just got to receive them. So this is, he's speaking to a lukewarm church. Now the kicker is, is where I have need of nothing. But yet, we're poor. We're naked and wretched. But I find it interesting that he said that your shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. If we strip ourselves down in truth, we're going to find shame and nakedness. Mm-hmm. We got all of us got problems. So I praise God, <laughs> his mercies are new every morning. Amen. Does that mean we sin so the grace may abound? No. But we, we fight it. We fight with everything that's in us. Two key elements to that is staying in the word. In fact, you can't even have worship without the word. You know, music's great, but that's that's not worship. That is a response to the word. And then coming in agreement with the word. Lining up with the word. So my favorite part. Let's go to First John. Another awesomely blessed book. That's highly overlooked. Because you see people that, and hear people talk all the time about Thinking God doesn't want them, that they're no good. God doesn't love me. I cringe when I hear those words because they've been deceived. They think that their sin is so far gone that they can't go back. Yeah, but they don't hear people say, God desires mercy. He desires mercy. And if you go to the 6th verse, so if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So what does it mean to walk in darkness? That means hiding your sin. Whatever it may be, there's a whole list of them that we can go by. But there's sin. There's sin. And there's each one of us has that one unique one that catches us up, that messes us up. Whether it's anger, you know, you know, violent tendencies which I sometimes suffer. I like to lay hands on people Nehemiah style. (laughs) But then I gotta remember that you know, I gotta love them, gotta squeeze them, call them George. (laughs) <laughs> Don't lay hands on their neck. Yeah, no, lay hands on them mercifully. So I find this amazing that, but if we walk in the light, this is the truth in the inward parts. Mm-hmm. That if we walk in the light, now these are all things I've had to come to terms with. You know, in my walk with the Lord, you know, because there was a time where I got saved every Sunday. You know, because I didn't understand. I didn't understand what was going on because what was great about that season in my life was, especially when I was addicted to meth, that that was the one part I wanted to get rid of. But every time I went to that altar to get saved, (laughs) the Lord showed me in my heart exactly what I was going to do. He he showed me where I was just going to leave and go right back to it. And I'd be like, no, Lord, no, I don't want it. I'm done, I'm done. But then I'd, sure enough, I'd turn around and go right back to it just as he showed me. The process that he's taken me through has been pretty amazing. Because even though I wasn't raised in no church, I wasn't raised with any of it, he revealed to me in my later years that he was there the entire time. Amen. For example... There was a, when me and, when my mom and my little brother, uh, we were, I was four, he was two. Mom had been out drinking all night, come home, you know, to watch us. She fed us a bunch of food, got us up, you know, got us dressed, fed us a bunch of food, and then made us lay down and take a nap. But there was no way on earth we were going to lay down and take a nap. She just needed to recover from the night before. So as soon as she fell asleep, I went to wake up my brother and say, hey, man, let's get into stuff. Because we were at grandpa's house. He had all kinds of cool stuff. He wouldn't wake up. He had died. He had choked on the food that she made us eat real fast so we can lay down. And he he stored it all in his mouth. So as I tried to wake her and say, hey, he's dead. She's like, no, 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 he's fine. He's just not feeling good and rolled over and went back to sleep. So me not understanding, I just went about my business. A Couple hours later, I'll never forget that scream when she, when she realized that he was gone. I hated my mother for that, for years. Because I never got closure. You know, she, I didn't get to go to the funeral. Everybody else got to go. There was a lot more to that. But I remember resenting her for that. And having a lot of pain and hurt because of it. Not understanding her wisdom. You know, which as an adult now I do. But back then I didn't. And the hard part about it was. Is she would say. I wanted you to remember him the way he was. Problem, I remembered him dying and her doing nothing about it. So there was no closure. There was no end for that. But when I was. At, while trying to process that as a kid, I, ha- I saw the Lord with my brother. And he painted it in a way that only a child could understand. You know, where I just saw Jesus with my brother playing ball. Just bouncing a ball back and forth. That was it. And I told my mom, I see Jesus with my brother. Oh, yeah, that's great. She don't want to hear that. Oh, yeah, that's fine. So I think I was the only one that, that was understanding what was happening. So, the funny part about that is, is years later, after I'd gotten saved, he took me back to that moment. <laughs> and that moment was scary because I realized he had been there the entire time. When I was real little, I saw demons. You know, I saw, I saw demons, I saw ghosts, if you will. And I was always afraid of these dark presences. So, I always had that fear of the unknown fear of the spiritual realm, that the Lord took me back through all that and showed me he was there the entire time. So it's amazing to me how this poor bastard child, if you will, the Lord was with him. And I never understood why he was with me. I never got it. But uh, he, was, um, he showed me all throughout my years that he was there the entire time. So, but it wasn't until after I'd come to know him and got to know his mercy and his grace Praise that I was able to understand it and see. You know, the veil had been lifted. Now I could see that he was there the entire time. And when I finally came to that, I, uh, me and my mom reconciled over that. And we had a, a real good heart-to-heart on her 50th birthday that she actually hurt her even more because I had told her everything that I had been through. And uh, it just made it worse for her. I wasn't using wisdom in that. A lot of her pain was caused because of the stuff that I had been through that she couldn't do anything about. You want me to take care of it for you? <laughs> No, I was kidding. I won't break it, I promise. <laughs> but in any case, it's it's been an amazing journey, to say the least. So I'll finish with this. But if we are to walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus, Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So, but we have to be in the light. We have to walk in truth. We have to be honest with ourselves before God, before we can understand what this is. I know my condition, thanks to Adam. Thank you, Adam. I'm going to give you a good bro hug when I see you. I've had to forgive Adam. Adam. Because of that, you know, because we're all born into this thing. But then again, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And his word is not in us. Truth in the inward parts. Uh You have to come to terms with your sin. And understand that he paid the way to forgive them.